You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on your Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. We thank you for joining us. Find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Locate Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Once again, the number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We are taking your calls. Phone lines are open. A day removed now from National Signing Day, Levi. How you doing today, my man? Doing great, doing great. Really good day today. Excited about all the new recruits coming in and everything we talked about yesterday. This feels like the first day of the offseason. The first day of year one for Brian Harson. I finally feel like all of the, the technicalities of hiring a new coach as far as on-field coaching staff now completed for, for two weeks now. The first recruiting class that's not his. It's not his recruiting class. It's Malzahn's class, but he has finished it up. He's tied up all the loose ends, and now it is day one, in my opinion, of the new era, the Brian Harson era. And he did his best to really salvage what was a bad situation to walk into in terms of recruiting. I mean, we said it all day yesterday. The coaching staff just got finished a week ago. It's hard to recruit. It's hard to recruit on those standards, the time frame that he has been the head coach, and obviously the ongoing pandemic where you can't get kids onto campus to, to get that Auburn experience, it's been tough, but I think he did a really good job of making something out of, you know, what could have been. It could have been a lot worse. It could have been worse. It's not a great class, but it could have been so much worse. And I think he did a good job of salvaging it to pick up where we left off yesterday at the end of the show. Well, at one point, this class was beyond 40th in the 24-7 sports team rankings, and now it's sitting at 30th overall, and there's still a recruit out there left to make his decision Jarquez Hunter, a three-star running back that could be choosing the Tigers. Auburn is in the mix there. That could give Auburn just a slight bit of a boost to be effectively fully inside that top 30 and not just be 30th overall, but that's where we stand right now. And saying that this is day one of the new era, it truly is because everything from here out now, everything from this moment on, not not this moment in exactly time, but just as soon as that clock hit 12 a.m. today, it is everything from here out is focused on the future. Everything from here out, 2020, is closed on the Auburn football program. All of the recruiting gets done with. Everything from here out it is pointed towards the future under Brian Harson, And that's going to be a lot of what our show is about today is what the future looks like in the immediate, in the, in the near future for Auburn, because A-Day is the next big day, right? A-Day is the next big thing coming up for Auburn football on everybody's calendars and that's the first time we get to see this Auburn football team take the field and and truly begin to learn a lot about what this squad is going to look like under Brian Harson and his new coordinators Mike Bobo and Derek Mason which is something that I'm super pumped about 
you know, talk about being excited for A Day for the first time in, in, in several years, knowing that there could be something new thrown out there on, on your television, or if you get to go there in person. I mean, it's going to be exciting to get to look forward to A-Day and then eventually get to see those guys line up. It's going to be a good time. But let's wrap up National Signing Day here. What is your one big takeaway? If you've got something, what is your one big takeaway from National Signing Day? One big takeaway, I I said it earlier, I think it's making the best out of a bad situation. I think Coach Harson and this staff did a, did a very admirable job, admirable job to get this recruiting class to 30. This is a bad recruiting class. There's no way to, you know, to gift wrap it. It's a bad class, but given the circumstances, I think it is a good class. It is a good class in terms of it could have been so much worse given the, t- the fact that he didn't have a lot of time. And it's not his fault. And it's not Harson's fault at all. Just want to reiterate the fact that it is not Harson's fault at all because he did not quite have the time to really get this. And I think he did a good job in terms of just getting the players that were available by the time he got there and, you know, selling Auburn in a way that was very hard for him to, he was facing a really, really stiff competition with this one. I'm more interested to see what he does next year. I know a lot of people are upset. A lot of people are disappointed with the amount of three stars and this recruiting class in general. And it's fair to be disappointed about the three stars coming in. Of course. In. It's, it's very fair to feel that way. I would just like to say, be a little patient. This was not Coach Harson's full class. It really wasn't his class at all. Wait till the next one. If we see a common a commonality in this one and next year, next year's recruiting class, you can be a little hesitant and be really upset. Then, then you might want to start panicking. But I don't think that'll be the case. Sure. And this is and once again theme of today's show. It is day one of the new Harson era, in my opinion. Like, now everything is focused on the future. You're kind of half in, half out before yesterday. You're, you're still wrapping up the 2020-2021 year with signing day yesterday and then everything leading up to it while also looking ahead to the future because you've been building your coaching staff together. You've been installing new ideas and putting in your philosophy and trying to get everybody on the same page in this new regime and which direction you're going. Now... You are walking in that direction. I'll say this. I think Auburn's still facing an uphill battle in recruiting right now. Even going into this first full year for Harson, Auburn's facing an uphill battle in recruiting, mainly because the pandemic hasn't gone anywhere. We're still dealing with restrictions. I mean, you you can't get guys on campus right now within contact with staffs and with the coaches so that's something that's going against Auburn that I that I think is a big part of why Auburn has had a hard time bringing in some of these four stars that they keep missing out on because they sell the Auburn experience they sell the Auburn family how can you do that if you don't get them in firsthand and show them the places that truly exhibit that it's been it has been very difficult you don't get that from the other side of a computer screen You just don't. And having to meet with these guys virtually, you don't get that until you step into Auburn, Alabama, and you walk onto the campus and you are are absorbing and taking in the planes. You just don't get that. It is is a brutally uphill battle for Brian Harson and this staff recruiting moving forward while the pandemic is still going on. Because I think what we saw on signing day and what we've seen across this entire recruiting cycle during the pandemic – We've seen the top teams dominate and then everybody else fended for themselves there. And I think we've seen that 
in results of games as well. I think I, I think you look out through all of athletics, whether it's collegiate or professional. I think what we have seen is, and, and there was a big question about how not having fans at ball games and how you know limited home court environments would affect athletics. And I think some people may have thought it could have been an equalizer for worse teams to be able to compete on the same floor. I think it's With, been the opposite. It has been the opposite. <laughs> I the, think it's been the opposite. It, it has gone the way of, of chalk. It has gone the way of the the better team ha, has typically won. I, I, I think limiting some of the home court, home field environments throughout football and basketball ha, has not brought on more upsets, but it has brought on less parity. And that's happened in recruiting as well. 100%. It, the teams that are at the top, your Alabama's, Clemson's, LSU's, Georgia's, those teams are still in Ohio State. Can't believe I forgot them in that group. Those teams are still grabbing recruits because they don't have to do they don't have to do as much selling. They can just hop on a Zoom call and say they're always going to tell you you could come here and start immediately and uh or you could just come to Alabama and go to the pros and see how many pros they have in the league in terms of a college football standpoint. We all watched Nick Saban's pitch on social we, media. We saw you've it. got it. We've seen it. I mean, somebody recorded it. And so, but that's my big takeaway. Go, going on to the back to the question that we opened the show the show with, what is your one big takeaway from National Signing Day? We want to hear from you. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. My one big takeaway is from the national stage kind of looking at signing day from a thousand feet above and looking at how everything unfolded in the battlefield and you look at the top three that has been primarily in the college football playoff since its inception Alabama Ohio State and Clemson the three that have dominated college football more than any other group in college football in the last decade they all finish in this inside the top five of recruiting. And Clemson, the only reason why they didn't finish higher is because they had less recruits. If you look at their average of recruit, they finished third in the country in average rating on 24-7 sports composite. So Alabama finishing number one, Ohio State at number two, and Clemson at number five. And they're and specifically Ohio State and Clemson, they aren't receiving stiff competition from anyone else in their conference when it comes down to recruiting the next closest ACC school to Clemson sits at 12th with Miami and of course this I think is an above average class for Miami compared to where they have been at in recent years with the turmoil that has gone on in that program but after that it's 14 with North Carolina you look in the Big Ten with Ohio State the closest Big Ten team is at 10 they're eight spots away you look at it between Clemson and Miami there's seven spots Ohio State and Michigan there is eight spots you know how many spots separate Alabama and the next SEC team two Georgia's at third overall and then there's three after the team after that LSU is at four and then A&M's at seven and you, you just look at the SEC there's there's four teams inside the top seven in the SEC and Alabama is still somehow and, and I'm not turning this into a Nick Saban love fest I'm just saying this is more about Clemson and Ohio State don't have nearly the degree of competition facing them in their conference this top three in college football is not going anywhere right now not at all and you can see Alabama can still hold its own recruiting even when you have Georgia and LSU right behind them this was the number one recruiting class of all time statistically in terms of the composite averages and whatnot and they Alabama was able to do this with Georgia and LSU nipping at the heels so it's it's crazy to see that they can still recruit at that high level with teams in their own conference right behind them 
And it's a testament to them because Clemson and Ohio State can do it, but who's really challenging them in their own conference? So that also brings up my next point that's still connected to one. So we'll go 1A, now we go to 1B. It's also a reminder of Georgia's shortcomings in the Kirby Smart era. Georgia, this is not, this is, they are no surprise seeing them in the top three here. They've been in the top three, top five for it seems every year that Kirby Smart's been here, but they still can't do it on the national stage. They've only been there one time. There is not a coach in college football who has done less with as much talent as Kirby Smart has on his roster. That's fair. I was trying to think. I was over here trying to think if there's another one. I'm sure there's one that could rival rival it if I could really think on it. But it's it's the quarterback position. That's what's been the that's what has been the antagonist for Kirby Smart. Nor is there a coach that has been dominated by one team as much as Kirby Smart has been dominated by Alabama. When you're talking about comparable recruiting, the recruits, the recruiting class, sure, Alabama, nine out of the last eleven. They have finished as the top team in recruiting overall. But Georgia, once again, look, the top three classes, the top four classes, there's not a huge difference. Now, this Alabama class, it's being lauded as the greatest recruiting class in in modern college football history. Fine. But this Georgia class, two spots behind them, when those two teams line up, as far as starters are concerned, there are fives and four stars everywhere. There's not a huge difference. So for Kirby Smart to not even be able to get one, on Nick Saban for Kirby Smart to not even win a substantial game against Nick Saban and to be beaten the way that he has been I mean the closest it came was in the national championship and it probably wouldn't have been close if Tua had started at the beginning of that ball game I don't know Georgia dominated that first half they dominated because most Jaylen of that game Hertz was out there until Tua Tagovailoa came in the game it's it's an interesting thing I mean it kind of goes back to that that age-old Georgia curse the choking the choke artists that are in that state with the bulldogs the braves the falcons they all just big moment hits and they just shrink and wither away a lot like auburn basketball was doing earlier this year but i don't know man it's crazy to think that this georgia team is so close to alabama in terms of recruiting and still just cannot get a win against mind-boggling they have four or five stars in this class 20 commits 11 four stars five three stars this Georgia class is good enough to be a number one class some years you know and the same as Ohio State's and Alabama's in that top three LSU's is even very good at, at number four theirs is boosted up a little bit by the fact that they have so many commits they have 22 commits compared to Georgia's 20 and those two make a difference that they've got three up on Clemson at five those three make a difference in the way these rankings are generated but this is just another reminder of Georgia's shortcomings despite the fact of of the high level the high caliber that they recruit at because it says something that when I see Georgia at three I've now been conditioned to the point now where I'm thinking yeah it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's like what are they going to do with it what are they matter. Done? yeah what are they now do? Georgia what are they in comparison to everyone else now I'm not talking about Georgia in comparison to the national stage of that top three teams which is where this conversation has begun it, it's talking about you know Alabama Ohio State Clemson could Georgia get in that mix well, I, I'm not so certain because Kirby Smart has been dominated every year by Alabama whenever it's came down to it. But if you compare Georgia to Florida, there's 10 spots separating them. Florida's at 13th overall. That is a big difference. And Florida hasn't really been able to gain ground on Georgia in that rivalry when it, when it comes down to recruiting. And there's no one else in the SEC East that can even hold a flame to those two teams. Maybe you say Tennessee when they put together the 16th overall class, but we all see where what direction that program's going, right? It's like Tennessee has had some success in recruiting, 
But now we see what direction the program's going right now. Nobody else in the East can even hold a flame to Georgia and Florida. And not at all. I mean, it's and Florida's lagging behind by ten spots. So I, st- I still think it's Georgia's division by far. I don't. I don't think it's as close as people even think with Georgia and Florida. I mean, recruiting. That's a that's a big difference, and I I just don't think that they're going to be able to field the team. I don't think they're going to have a team as talented to compete with Georgia next year. And then the other main rival for Georgia that affects SEC standings primarily more so for Auburn than it does for Georgia because Georgia doesn't have any other SEC East competition, whereas Auburn has all of the SEC competition in the West. But you look at where Auburn is at, they're at 30th overall, and Georgia's sitting at third. There's 27 spots separating the two. So moving forward, uphill battle for Harson. Not his fault on this class, but if you just look at it, plain and simple, Jimmy's and Joe's, more important than X's and O's. And right now, that top four, that top five, there's a reason why they're always in the national conversation, but yet there's just one team in there that I'm always reminded of their shortcomings when I see how well they recruit, but they can't get it done on the national stage. And maybe that's even more of a testament to what Alabama's able to do on the field, even more so than recruiting, that they're able to dominate other teams that are even that are even recruiting on their same caliber. But I, I think that's more of an indictment, though, on Kirby Smart because the other teams that have recruited as well as Alabama. Ohio State has beaten them in a playoff before, back in 2014. Led to a national championship. Urban Meyer got it done. Ryan Day, not able to get it done this year. Gets manhandled, right? Not so sure about Ryan Day's credentials as a head coach yet compared to his predecessor, Urban Meyer. Of course, Urban Meyer is an all-timer in college football. How is he compared to Urban Meyer? We don't have enough of a sample size yet for him at Ohio State. But then Dabo. Dabo at Clemson is the only other guy that's actually been able to go toe-to-toe that is still coaching in college football, that is, because must I remind everybody that Gus Malzahn also had a substantial amount of wins against Alabama. You eye roll, but I'm just saying there's nobody else in college football that did it. There's nobody else and is doing it right now. Not consistent, not on a consistent basis. So I, it's an indictment on Kirby Smart when there have been other coaches that have at least recruited on the same level as Alabama and have been able to beat them on the national stage. Kirby Smart can't do it. And it's one of those things where now I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it, because right now I'm seeing Mark Rick. I mean, it's Mark Rick with a better PR agent. That's basically what it's been. (laughs) That's been the Kirby Smart tenure is Mark Rick with a better PR agent. We'll be back with On the Line on the other side of this break here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Coming up in about nine minutes, we got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us on the show today. We'll get some of his thoughts on signing day and the direction this Auburn football program is heading now as the new regime. We are fully flipped over. It's still in the offseason, but we are fully now flipped over into the 2021-2022 year for me, athletically for Auburn, when it comes to football. Because you can put all of the stuff in the past behind you. You can put you can put 2020-2021 recruiting behind you. We are heading in uh, a new direction uh, for Auburn football with Brian Harson and, and, and gone are the days of the Gus Malzahn tenure at the moment uh so we just got finished talking about some of our big takeaways from national signing day and then also uh we'll be getting into a little bit later on in the show which recruits are we most excited about in this auburn class most important thing will be coming up later on the show we got a packed show for you guys today 
Head to ESPNAU.com or the ESPN 1067 app to enter your score prediction of the big game between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers on Sunday, February 7th, for a shot at $50,000, courtesy of the Orthopedic Clinic, Pepsi, and Johnny Brusco's Pizza. If you aren't able to take home the grand prize with your score, second prize will take home a 50-inch smart TV from Rick's Audio Video Appliance. ESPN 106.7 has your chance to win $50,000 during this year's big game. Get all the details and enter today at ESPNAU.com or the ESPN 106.7 app. All brought to you by the Orthopedic Clinic, Pepsi, Johnny Brusco's Pizza, and Rick's Audio Video and Appliance. We're going to head to the phone lines now. Once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We got Travis on the line with us. Travis, how are you doing today? Hey guys, how are y'all? We're doing great. What's up with you? Yeah, I uh, had a dentist appointment at 1 o'clock today. I usually call on Friday because I'm off work, but I uh, had a tooth that's been bothering me. I've had a dentist appointment at 1, two and too much tobacco. That's a terrible habit. Make sure y'all do not do that. Tell your <laughs> listeners not to do that. Hey, but, well, um, you don't have to worry about that with me, but uh, best of luck to you with, uh, with the dentist appointment and everything. What's on your mind? Yeah. Um, I just want to talk about the recruiting class that Auburn brought in and, and I'm not going to blame Harson for the recruits that he got because, like y'all been saying, you make really good points about, you know, this is Gus Malzahn's class. Um, because, I mean, I, I personally think that the, the recruits that he's bringing in couldn't start at Troy. But I do think that he has a plan going forward with the, from the development side of it. Um, and once Harson's able to get face-to-face with recruits, I know y'all been talking about this this week about – being at Auburn and seeing the campus, because it's one of the prettiest campuses in the country, not just the SEC. Being in the South, you know, and the leaves are falling, you just you really can't beat it. And um, and he's he's got like a military approach, and that's really hard to see over a, a computer screen. Right, one hundred percent. You you are hitting all of the all of the main points right now about why Auburn has been struggling so much on the recruiting trail and uh you know i i'm really curious to see what what things look like you know a couple of months from now once the coronavirus you know hopefully takes a downturn in the next few months and and if it you know takes a positive turn for for folks then maybe some of these recruiting restrictions will let up for auburn yeah i think the biggest thing for harson you got to make sure that and i think he did do this he, he, he didn't bring in top tier talent he brought in three stars but i believe they have five star hearts and when you when you get a five star heart, man, it don't matter if you rank number one or number six hundred. You can be developed. You can turn into an NFL player, just like with a lot of the guys that he did at Boise State. That's one hundred percent. And he, if you've got a coach here now and Brian Harson that at least knows something about developing three stars into a team and a program that can win nine, ten games every year. Of course, that was in the Mountain West, and we'll have to see if he can do it here in the SEC. Um, I'm excited about some of these three stars coming in, though. I, I think some of these guys also have been adversely affected by just being at, at under-profile schools or, or low-profile schools in the middle of nowhere and, and just people not being able to get out there and see these recruits and evaluate them. Colby Smith is a guy who's probably a four-star. Holden Jariner in that 2022 class at quarterback, he'll probably be a four-star by the time he steps onto campus. I think some of these threes are threes because people haven't been able to get out and go and see them. Yeah, when you can't go to camp, and that, right. that's, that's really big for these, these undervalued kids because that's where you find your diamonds in the rough. Whenever you have these four- and five-star guys and there's a, a little three-star receiver from some podunk town in America and he's just dominating them, that's where you find your diamonds in the rough. So, yeah, it's very hard for him. But, guys, realistically, where do y'all see Auburn 
for the 2022 class. I, I see him. I think they can get it all the way up to the top five. Personally, you got Emmanuel Henderson, whom I predicted will go to Auburn on March 13th. Um, that's just a little over a month away. And then you know, ten of the top 200 players for next year's class reside in the state of Alabama. How many of those do you guys realistically think that Auburn can get committed for next year? Uh, you know, I, I think top five would be pretty lofty with everything going on and it just being Harson's first year. Um, you know, I'm thinking more, you know, back to where Auburn traditionally is, getting them back to the top 15, uh, hovering there, you know, maybe closer to the top 10 and like that 12 range. And I think if that's his first class, I think people should be pretty happy, especially if he gets guys that, uh, that have good scheme fits. Travis, we got another call on the line, so we're going we're gonna to have to move on, but we appreciate you joining us on today's show. All right. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. And now on the line with us, we got Eric on the phone lines. The number to call once again, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Eric, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. How are you all doing? We are doing very well. And uh, what's on your mind today? We got about uh, two minutes until a hard break. So uh, sorry, we, sorry we're up on it, but uh, what's on your mind? No worries. Hey, real quick, previous caller, uh, my wife used to be an RN at a cancer center and visiting the dentist due to your chewing tobacco. That's the least of your problems. You do not want to get mouth cancer. It is horrible. But anyway, <laughs> just wanted to throw that in real quick because uh, chewing back is bad for you. Um, hey, I wanted to agree with you, and I've I been thinking about this. Georgia, what was number three? They dropped from two to three yesterday, right? Uh, I think Ohio State's been pretty strong at two for, for quite some time. It, it just depends on what service you're looking at, but those two are kind of back yeah. and forth. Okay, well, I'm glad you brought up because I don't think Kirby Smart will ever win anything at Georgia. And he keeps getting these great classes, and he's doing nothing with them other than getting close. So I'm so glad you guys brought that up or pointed that out. I don't know what is what the deal is, except right now Nick Saban um, in Alabama. But, uh, you know, he, he, he'll do good to win the, uh, the East, but that's as far as he's going to get. So I just want to listen to your comments maybe after the hard break and uh, like your show. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Eric. Thanks for calling in, and be sure uh, don't be a stranger. All right, you're welcome. we Will do. Yeah, just a quick comment here before we head to break. I, I'm with him. I wonder how long the recruiting keeps lasting. You know, they're obviously doing something right. They don't have a whole lot of competition. What Kirby Smart did really well was he locked down Atlanta. He he, he started he started locking down Atlanta and not allowing Auburn to come and, and play in his sandbox and some other schools being able to play in Georgia. So they've recruited really well there. If Alabama wasn't in the SEC, though, I think this would be Georgia's league. I think it's just the fact that Nick Saban's, you know, been doing it well for so long. On the other side of this break, we'll have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer on the line with us. Stay with us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Find the show wherever you get your podcast. Of course, listening live on the radio on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Join Zach Blackerby and Lance Dahl this Saturday for another edition of After the Game on ESPN 106.7 following Auburn's game against the Ole Miss Rebels. They'll provide post-game analysis as well as take your calls, so make sure to call in to share your thoughts on the game. After the Game is brought to you by Tzatziki's Mediterranean Cafe in Auburn, the Orthopedic Clinic, and Columbus Hospice of Alabama. And now joining us on the phone lines, we got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. He also calls in a lot to After the Game. Justin, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing well. How are you? We are doing great. 
And uh, let, let's just get into it right away then. Uh, as far as Auburn football is concerned, the most the, the biggest thing that has happened recently, obviously National Signing Day yesterday. What are your overall thoughts, maybe your biggest takeaway of this Auburn football recruiting class? Yeah, I think I think Auburn staff did a pretty good job of handling a pretty rough situation. I mean, Auburn was already kind of playing behind the eight ball this year in recruiting uh, because, of you know, they build so much of their pitch around getting guys on campus. And, of course, you weren't able to do that with COVID. So they're playing from behind a little bit. You know, have the staff changed after the early signing uh, period officially, uh, you know, hiring uh, Brian Harson after that. And so when you come back, there's really only just a, a sea of, you know, three-star guys. That are available most of the done for for the bigger name recruits in this class. So Auburn had to just go get some numbers, and I think they did a decent job of that. They've still got time to add more. They're supposed to be adding, um, you know, a few more here in the next couple of days uh, to get their class a little bit closer to where they want to be. But you know, it, they made the most of a tough situation. We'll see, um, you know, how much this this year, this weird year, uh, with all this change for Auburn and and COVID and all that will impact the program long term you know we'll see that the effects of this in maybe two or three years uh but for right now i think they got some guys um you know in the, these last you know, couple of weeks that um you know will will be able to compete for for uh you know starting jobs down the line and who knows you might have found a, another booby whitlow or an, another daniel thomas or roger mccreary in this crew and if they can get a couple of them i think it'll be a pretty good pretty good uh haul um you know considering the circumstances what positions do you think Auburn should target in the transfer market? Of course, Brian Harson has been very open about, you know, saying that they might fill it with some of those transfers. Where do you think Auburn might go in the coming months? Yeah, Harson has uh, was said the other day that running back, uh, offensive line, and, and, and defensive back were the positions they're kind of targeting the most right now. And, and, and running back makes sense to bring back Devin Barrett. I have him opt in, give you a third option at running back for right now. They could pick up a a freshman tomorrow in, uh, in Jarquez Hunter. A lot of people think that he's going to end up uh, picking Auburn uh, when he commits tomorrow. Uh, but you, you could use some more. You could use some more experience just because there's a, it's a thin room there. Um, offensive line, I mean, that's that's the big one. If Auburn can get some instant impact guys on this offensive line, kind of boost the, the talent level and create some more competition in that room, maybe backfill a little bit where you've missed uh, in recruiting the last few years uh, with some more depth, just you know, guys with – you know, multiple years of experience left, but also or eligibility left, but still have some experience. I think that would be a key thing. And you know, defensive back, they're pretty deep there, so I, I find that interesting that they want to get some guys in that aspect. But uh, if I had to kind of go off a of Harson uh, list a little bit and kind of move around, um, you know, wide receiver really strikes me. Like Auburn's got a lot of young wide receivers on the team, but they lost their their top three guys from last two seasons. So if if a wide receiver comes available. In this class, you know, in, in the transfer portal, that has good experience and can kind of be a leader of that group because of so many young guys around him. I think Auburn should go after him. Ferg, what's a guy in this recruiting class that not a lot of people are talking about that they should probably be focused in on for the next few years? Yeah, I really like Jawan Gaston, uh, who signed. Uh, he signed with Auburn yesterday uh, out of Carver and Montgomery. Um, you know, he was a guy that Auburn had been linked to recently. Uh, safety, um, you know, just a uh, a real hard, a real hard-hitting dude. When you watch him on film, uh, pretty athletic guy. Uh, he said yesterday when he committed, um, you know, and he picked Auburn over South Carolina. He said yesterday when he committed um, that he wanted to be the next Daniel Thomas, and I think that that's a really good attitude to have. He's a really good example for some of these three-star guys to kind of follow. Um, that you know, you might not have been 
the highest rated guy. You might not have been a blue chip coming out of high school, uh, but you could be an NFL draft pick one day if you develop and, and have the right work ethic. And I think athletically he's got a lot of the gifts uh, that, that you want. It's just, you know, um, you know, he might not have gotten the same type of exposure um, in, in these kind of recruiting rankings. Uh, Auburn really liked him. These guys evaluate him well. Um, you know, we know that Derek Mason is going to be pretty hands-on with the safeties when they come into Auburn. Um, so I, I think uh, I think he's got a he's got a bright future ahead of him. I, I like I like Gaston's attitude. I like everything I've heard about him. And you know, I just kind of I think I have a soft spot for some of these these in-state guys that come in uh, that you know weren't weren't highly rated recruits. Uh, but Auburn's got a great tracker r- record with them in recent years, especially at defensive back. And I, I think he could be another one. This feels like day one of of the new Brian Harson era, where where you don't even have to worry about anything that's happened in the past like you're no longer dealing with anything from the previous regime you've put together your entire coaching staff everything from here out's about the future everything from here out is all brian harson with that being said the next big thing happening for auburn football will be a day what's the biggest question mark that you have for auburn football in the immediate future as we barrel towards april yeah i mean i i'm very curious to see what they do along their defensive front uh especially at linebackers, you bring back a lot of experience. You got, you know, uh, Chandler Woot not back in. There's you know, reports that TD Moultrie is moving back there, which I think is a good sign. Defensive backs, you got some key pieces, you know, back there. But that defensive front, you lose Big Cat Bryant, you lose Tyrone Truesdale, you lose, um, you, you lose Daquan Newkirk, and, and there's some, you know, there's some new guys. There, there's some young guys out there that played well at Colby Wood, Derek Hall, you know, guys you can build around. But you added E. Kuliota. Uh, you know the Derek Mason defense is not going to be the same as what you've gotten out of Kevin Steele the last few years, that traditional four-man front. There's going to be some three-man stuff. There's going to be some changing up a lot of a lot of things they do up front, you know, kind of a two-gap technique and all that all that good stuff. Um, the defensive line is going through a pretty big overhaul this, this offseason. I think down the road it could be a really fruitful one, and they've got some young talent. But there's a lot of new faces. There's a new coach. There's new coaches. There's new styles coming into place. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do on the defensive line and kind of who lines up where is probably my big question mark, you know, in spring practice. And then, you know, on the offensive side, how does the passing game evolve? You know, Bo Nix, can he take that step forward? Um, he's got Brian Harson and Mike Bobo, these two guys who were, you know, noted quarterback developers, guys who played the position in college. Um, coaching him now, can he take that next step that we didn't get, you know, in, the, in 2020? How has he adjusted his new offense? And then, you know who, who steps up for up for him at wide receiver. Um, Auburn's got some some young playmakers out there, but um, you know you know Nix's last two seasons he's had some experienced guys he can rely on. Now he's got to take the step up as uh, you know as a quarterback and as a leader of this team without his go-to guys at wide receiver. And then uh, you know you've also got Demetrius Davis now on campus, um, who I think will be you know pushing and competing to get some playing time this year. So it'll be all interesting to see how that shakes out. I'm going to shift the conversation over here to the shooty hoop side of things in basketball. Georgia came in and Auburn couldn't guard them at all. And then you have Auburn play Mississippi on Saturday. I mean, they just knocked off Tennessee. How should Auburn fans feel going into this game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is is how, how motivated will Auburn be on Saturday? They're going to have to get a fire lit under them because they were a step slow. They, they, they looked unprepared. They kind of played unprepared. You know, you had players talking about how they – Felt like they might have taken things uh, a little too easy when it came to Georgia and the, their preparation, um, and, and it very show, it, it showed. You know, offensively, when you have Shreve Cooper on the floor and the weapons Auburn has, you're, you're going to score a lot of points. But defensively, they're getting they're getting beat right now. And they've got to make adjustments. And Bruce Pearl is going to find a way to to get those guys adjusted. But 
they got to come here and play play like their hair's on fire a little bit against Ole Miss because Ole Miss is starting to play some better basketball. They're coming off of beating Tennessee, and this is a team that uh, they want to pound the ball inside. We know that you know, Georgia hit some threes from the outside, but the whole reason they won that game is they dominated the paint. They dominated rebounding, um, a ton of layups uh, in that game, and that's going to be Ole Miss's bread and butter in this one. Uh, they don't like to shoot threes um, at all. And they're not very good at it. Uh, so they're going to try to kind of work it inside and play this grinded out kind of basketball and force turnovers and, and try to get some easy ones on the other end. That for Auburn has got to be key. Like we, we know how Ole Miss is going to try to attack them. And it's very similar in a lot of ways to the way Georgia won on Saturday or uh, sorry, on, on, on Tuesday night. So on Saturday, what they got to do is they've got to play uh, with a lot more motivation, a lot more energy, a lot more effort. And you can't take this team for granted because, uh, you know, they, they beat them. Beat you earlier this year. You have Sharif Cooper now. You're playing at home. Time to make that. Time to make those advantages count um, because uh, you have an opportunity to go on a run here if you're Auburn, but you can't do what you did Tuesday night. Moving forward for this Auburn team, you look at their defense, and it's fun to be the top shot blocking team in the country, but it's not fun to be ranked 284th in the country and points allowed uh, on that other side of the basketball. Is it fair to criticize this Auburn team defensively moving forward? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, the way they do right now is they're, they're blocking shots. Part of the reason why they're blocking shots is they're so long and they're so tall that they can kind of get bailed out by that length and that height whenever they get beat off the dribble, whenever teams get inside on them. And, and that creates some problems, right? Like, this team is this team doesn't get lit up from deep, but, like, there have been several games where they kind of get dominated in the paint. They give up too many layups. They give up too many dunks. And, and they got to step up in that. This is a young defense. Um, you know, Bruce Pearl's not going to use youth as, as an excuse anymore, and he shouldn't. They, they, these guys have played a decent amount together now. But you're also seeing the signs of a team that's learning how to play defense on play. A dude like JT Thor, you know, should still be in should still be in high school, and he and, and he's got a lot of learning to do. And some of these guys that are stepping up into these into these aspects, they've got a lot of learning to do and adjusting. And so this defense has got to has got to take the next step. This is not a pressing. Uh, you know, chaos, turnover-heavy defense. Um, you know, like the Bruce Pearl teams in the past, because Bruce has adjusted to that. Cause he doesn't. He doesn't do that as much because of the way college basketball is officiated now with all the all the touch fouls and stuff like that. So um, they've got to adjust. They've got to. It's great to take advantage of all that height. It's great to be a great shot blocking team. But you want to be a great shot blocking team is because teams go inside on you and you turn them away, not because you get a lot of blocks. Um, you know, because teams are getting to the hole against you rather easily. So they got to step up in that aspect. And and they're an inconsistent team. I mean, the week, you know, go back last Saturday to Baylor. They dominated the paint, so to speak, in that game. And Baylor won because they were just a much better three-point shooting team. And they had a lot of scorers on the outside. So they're capable of being a better team on the inside. They just got to start showing it, especially on the defensive end. Justin, I appreciate you hopping on the show with us today. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Yeah, Jay Ferguson at you on Twitter is the easiest way to get out with me. AuburnObserver.com is where all my stuff is. Uh, a bunch of analysis on Auburn football and Auburn basketball. A lot of stories, a lot of, a lot of stuff we just touched on here in this interview. Uh, you can read that at AuburnObserver.com. $6 a month, $6 a year. That gets emailed to your inbox. And I also do a podcast on the site with Painter Sharpless. We do those twice a week, including uh, one for subscribers uh, that went up earlier this morning. Appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good afternoon and a good evening. Absolutely, y'all too. Thank you. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. We'll be back wrapping up hour number one in just a moment.
Last segment of hour number one of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you in the studio on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Before we wrap up this first hour, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. NBC has a new episode of Superstore on at 7.30. BattleBots is on Discovery from 7 to 9 with Copperhead and Black Dragon in the main event. And the rest of the bots are fighting for survival. Over on BBC at 7, Spartans and Trojans fight over Helen of Troy. Brad Pitt and Orlando Bloom star in Troy. College basketball starts in the Big Ten with number 7 Ohio State on the road at number 8 Iowa on ESPN at 6. Also at 6 p.m., Cincinnati takes on Temple on ESPN. And two and Arizona and Utah square off on FS1. Moving to 8 p.m., Stanford and Cal battle it out on ESPN2, and Minnesota and Rutgers will play on FS1. Late game in the Pac-12 to wrap up the night is Washington State and Oregon on FS1. Thursday night NBA on TNT. We've got Warriors Mavs at 6:30 and Nuggets Lakers at 9. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. You know, I ask you every every Thursday, did you watch Mass Dancer last night? And you're like, of course. Yeah, of <laughs> it's course. Just, it's the most stern thing. Part of me wonders if you've picked up this show just as like a, a bit that you're doing or if you really do love it. I mean, but you're committed to the game, right? So so tell me, what did happen on Mass Dancer last well, night? I don't watch the show. Well, tell the me exotic what happened. Bird, the exotic bird who was predicted to probably go home had one of her best performances. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And Court it was revealed, of public opinion. Brutal. And it was revealed who I thought it was. Jordan Sparks. They were. They had a lot of athlete. Are conne- you really like getting these right? Well, I mean, most of the time it's kind of like if you listen and pay attention, they, they had this whole thing with like an athlete connection. And if you know Jordan Sparks, her father played in the NFL. And I just kind of. There's a lot of people whose dads played in the NFL. It just, it felt like it, the heights matched up, all of that, yada, yada. So again, Jordan Sparks, she was a good, but she's no tulip. She's no cotton candy, man. So, I mean, so tell me, moving forward, who, who's someone that you are sold on on that show that that is who it is? That's a tough one. Uh, the the closest I have, I'm, I'm kind of iffy All about the, the last three. the gimmies are gone. Yeah, the, kind of the gimmies are gone. I'm still thinking that the tulip is probably someone like Charlie D'Amelio or like Addison Ray, like someone like that, like a TikToker in some way. It could be someone that I've never heard of because I'm not exactly hip with the TikTok lingo, but I think it's somewhere around in that ballpark for okay. the tulip who has been absolutely destroying the competition. The only other really one, I think Cotton Candy's been pretty good as well. She's she's up there at the top. I mean, come on. I mean, People didn't think they were going to get mass dancer analysis today, but that's like that's Wednesday, Wednesdays on Fox, right? Yes, Wednesdays. Yep. Wednesdays, it is great. And I mean... I asked that in a question. I know it's Wednesdays on Fox. I, I do what's on TV tonight. I, I know what's on television all the time, So, but... It's, a, it's okay. It's interesting. Don't be surprised. If, I like Mass Singer more. Don't be surprised if Gabby Douglas is cotton candy, though. I wouldn't be shocked if that was her. Uh, what I'll be watching tonight, BattleBots, for sure. Uh, uh, you know, that that's going to dominate my Thursday evenings. like to see, you know, heavy machinery, you know, run into each, run into each other with flamethrowers and, and buzz saws. That, that, that's a blast. Two-hour episode tonight. Pumped about it. All right, let's wrap up this first hour doing our most important thing happening in the sports world. And I've got a pretty good idea what yours is going to be. Levi, take it away. 
the most important thing for me. I mean, it's Super Bowl week. You got to go with the Super Bowl. I'm not going to get too in, not going to get too in depth on it because we are going to talk about you know the matchups and all of that later it's in the show. Three but, days away from the Super Bowl, my man. But it's the Super Bowl. I mean, it can't. Even if you don't like sports, even if you are not a sports fan, even if you're not an NFL fan, you watch it for the commercials. You watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. In most years, you go over and have a little, you know, a kickback. You go grill out. You get some finger food, some pizza, what have you. But I mean, it's the Super Bowl. It's it's the biggest sporting event, at least in our country. And I mean, Super Bowl. It's got nothing on the NCAA tournament for me, though. Super Bowl week. Super NCAA Bowl tournament's week. the biggest. I mean, people take days off of work for the NCAA tournament. People take days off of work for the Super Bowl. They take Mondays off of work. And then people, that's true. And then people that didn't take days off of work, productivity's at an all-time low cuz you know what's happening in offices around the country with their bracket pools? They are just they're streaming games on someone those computers. Someone wheels in a TV. I'm telling you, someone's going to wheel in a TV, put it smack dab in the middle and you're watching it. I mean, everybody can relate to that, right? Um, a couple of years ago, I, I was in a situation like that when I was watching Auburn, New Mexico State play. I mean, it, I mean, people get locked in to the NCAA tournament. My most important thing is signing day, just to be different from you. I mean, Super Bowl is the big deal coming up, but I would say signing day is a big deal this past week because this not only the future of all of these programs, but it, it's now if you zero in for Auburn, I think you have finally closed the book on the past for this program and now you can truly look ahead like you can just just forget about the fact that they finished 30th overall forget about it doesn't matter you can't change it now i mean you can only add a couple of guys maybe through the transfer market i mean just do what you got to do moving forward i'm excited about a day but wrapping up signing day there i mean you look at it the teams at the top we already talked about this and, and a heavy part of that first segment was railing on georgia and the fact that it does not matter that they're in the top three but uh you know considering they haven't been able to be one of those top three teams every year in the college football playoff equation, those three, Alabama at number one in recruiting, Ohio State at number two, and, and Clemson at five. But if they had a couple more commits, they would definitely be in that top three because they're third in overall player rating average, according to 24-7 Sports Composite. Georgia deserves to be railed on a little bit. They deserve it. I mean, they're not winning. I mean, what what have they done in the past few? What, what have they done? What, I know. How I, many, I, I how love many the rings? thing about how many, rings. How many yeah. championships? How many rings, how many rings yeah. they have in, you know, since, what, 1985? Were people even alive then? I mean, They won an on. SEC championship, and that's it. They won it over Auburn. Auburn uh, did their dirty work for them in the two weeks leading up yeah. to that game. They cleared the path for they them. They did. Yeah, they cleared the path for them to get and, to the and playoffs. And then one of the teams still came back dug up from the grave and went and found him in the championship and, and ended it abruptly on second and 26 so you're not wrong you are not wrong frauds <laughs> georgia's frauds bunch of frauds so so what would you put in, in that category because I, I know you are heavy and watch yourself here there's somebody that you were saying yesterday that i really do not want you to include because you will you will incense some people but you, you know you're you're heavy on rings you're practically shack in the studio here um but i mean you you've hated on dan marino uh just uh, you know among other characters in the nfl to have not have won a ring and then and and now here we are i mean kevin durant because according to me he hasn't won a ring i mean you are a lebron cultist i forgot about that i mean i mean what what has kevin durant ever done oh he went and joined a super team and won some rings okay whatever i don't count those win them on your own go back to oklahoma city and win them by yourself what do you think about how the nba season's going up to this point I mean, it's going. I don't talk I, to you enough about the NBA. I think they need to go back to a bubble format because I'm seeing a lot of guys who are missing a lot of time. I think the bubble worked. I understand that it's really hard to take these people away from their families and their homes and stuff like that. But I mean, 
it's it's going it's it's going to be hard. I don't think they should have an All Star game either, just with everything going on. We'll have hour number two of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more Auburn football talk coming up. Auburn basketball as well. We'll even get into the Super Bowl some. We'll be back in just a moment on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Second hour of On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM or on your podcast wherever you get your podcast. Find Levi and I on Twitter at Boyd Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Call into the show at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We opened up the show talking about signing day We've still got some other things lined up moving forward as Auburn goes into the offseason fully now on into the new Brian Harson era. No longer do you have to worry about the past. Just forget about the fact that the, the, the recruiting class was 30th overall. That's done with. It's now on into the new offseason 2021 football season. Several months away, many months away, we all are probably already missing football dearly, and the NFL's not even over over yet. Super Bowl's on Sunday, and we'll get into that a little bit here in the second hour. It's been a good show today. We want to thank Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us in that first hour. Once again, if you missed that, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Like I said, we opened up the show today saying what our one big takeaway from National Signing Day was. Let's pivot away from that and let's actually dig into this recruiting class a little bit more than even we did yesterday. Which recruit, personally, are you most excited about in this Auburn class? And we want to hear from you as well. Callers, call in 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Phone lines are open. Which recruit are you most excited about in this Auburn class? So I'm going to go against what my initial thought is. I really like Demetrius Davis coming in because he's just uber talented. But I'm going to go with a guy. I'm going to go with Colby Smith here. I love the tw- the first offensive tackle since 2017, if I'm not mistaken. 6'7", 315 pounds. I think, realistically, he could be a four-star caliber recruit coming in. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and quote what Brian Harson said on the what he listed as 6'8", 320-pound offensive tackle. This guy is a big human being. He's a guy that will continue (laughs) to keep developing. His best football is ahead of him. That shows me that Brian Harson has a plan for this guy. He didn't just bring him in because he was the leftover scraps that he had to come fight in when he came into this bad recruiting situation. He sees something in this kid. Again, big human being. Said it all week. You cannot teach someone to be tall. He is 6'7", French 6'8". And he can get bigger, he can get smaller, he can develop. I just love the raw, just the raw material that Brian Harson and Coach Will Friend have to work with here with Colby Smith. And I think he can really be one of those 
diamond in the roughs that you find in a three-star recruit coming out of high school? Lee Hunter is the obvious answer of this class. So I'll touch on it for a second, then I'll move to someone who maybe isn't so much of an obvious answer. I mean, of course, he's the number seven defensive tackle in the country, number 80 overall player nationally. Both of those statistics coming from 24-7 sports composite rankings. The defensive tackle, Lee Hunter, out of Blunt High School in 8 Mile, Alabama. thing that excites me about Lee Hunter, Auburn needs some desperate help in the interior. I wouldn't be shocked if he found some playing time. We've seen Auburn be very open to rotating defense alignment in the past. Now, this is a new coaching staff. I'll be curious to see because he's an enrollee. He's already enrolled. He'll be ready to play on A-Day. I'll be curious to see how deep he is in the depth chart. There's only three spots now on that defensive line. That's my projection. I think there's going to be a 3-4 front for Auburn, and there's only going to be three spots. It's harder for some of these defensive linemen to get out on the field. I want to see if this guy, you know, how does he fit in as a nose tackle? Does he fit in as a nose tackle? Does he end up playing a defensive end? Like, they brought him in as a defensive tackle, but is this guy going to move around the front a little bit based on his size? Nose tackles end up being a little bit heavier than he is. Not to say that he can't gain weight over time. He's at 292. Typically see nose tackles definitely north of 300 pounds. Height's good, though, six foot five. This dude feels like he can be a uh, he can be a wrecking ball in the interior part of the line, and that's exactly what you want from your nose tackle. You want your nose tackle to be disruptive. You want your nose tackle to be causing as much issues in the interior as possible when you're talking about run stopping. You want them to muddy it up in the inside. You you they're not always the ones coming away with the tackles. Their stat lines are some of the lowest out of any of the guys on the defense. Typically, defensive tackles are, but even more so for nose tackles. Some of, the, some of the lowest stat lines out of anybody on a defense, they end up making the nasty play for the defensive ends to get all the love, right? They're, they're the, your Dontavious Russells that didn't get a whole lot of love while he was on campus, but he's the one doing the dirty work inside. Montrevious Adams was somebody that he got his fair share of love, but I'm just saying I, at the time when I was doing the lunch break with Zach Blackerby several years ago and Montrevious Adams was still on that roster and, and him and Carl Lawson were getting ready to go onto the league I, at the time, was thinking, you know, Carl Lawson has developed beautifully in the NFL. This is not a knock on Carl Lawson. I just, at the time, was saying, Montrevis Adams deserves a little bit more love for what he's doing in the interior because he's dominating on the inside. That's opening up a lot of things out there a little bit more on the outside for some guys like Carl Lawson to be able to go and do what they want to do and maybe some of the other defensive ends at the time. And Montrevious Adams has fit in well as a staple in the Green Bay Packers defense, you know, playing as nose tackle. He ended up actually going and doing that, even though at Auburn, Auburn was running a four-man front at the time. So I'm curious to see what happens with Lee Hunter. He's the guy that I'm most excited about, but if you wanted me to go in a direction that maybe is not as obvious as Lee Hunter and try to go with somebody a little bit more recent, Eku Leota, He's going to be a fun transfer for Auburn. Look, Auburn needs a pass rush. This guy stood up for Northwestern and went out there and got a lot of sacks last year for a defense that played at the highest caliber in Big Ten play. I mean, they made it to the Big Ten championship. They gave Ohio State all kinds of problems. He didn't play in the bowl game. As Zach Blackerby pointed out to me yesterday, he did not play in the bowl game against Auburn, but he obviously probably saw his guys play in Auburn and was like, hey, maybe that's a bunch that could use me. They can't get a pass rush on our on our offensive line. And so Eku Leota coming to Auburn, that's just big because he's experienced and he's someone that I would imagine will slot in right away onto the defensive line as a pass rusher because plain and simple, Auburn doesn't have one at the moment that can do it with consistency. And then I even have one more that's even lower profile go for than Eku Leota. I'm super pumped about Joko Willis. 
Talk about a guy who can come in possibly and make an impact right away. Auburn put an emphasis on several position groups going into signing day, and linebacker appeared to be a group maybe that they didn't put a huge emphasis on as far as recruiting is concerned. They definitely wanted to bring one in, but Auburn brings back Chandler Wooten. Auburn brings back Auburn brings up into the linebacking core from the defensive line, TD Moultrie. They've already recruited the position very well in the past under the previous coaching staff, but it seemed like they were maybe missing one or two pieces going into signing day and the weeks leading up to signing day if they wanted to be able to run the 3-4 defense because now you've got four linebackers. Auburn's been traditionally using two not to continue to hammer that point home because we've talked about that a ton on the show I just think Joko Willis is a guy who's going to get in and factor into the Auburn defense right away they went out there specifically for a Juco player to come and make an impact right away because they have experience he's got athleticism everything that you hear about this guy everything that you read about this guy is that he can go and rush the passer probably will move to the outside instead of playing on the inside you put him on the outside he can pass rush too Auburn added two pass rushers in this class that could make an impact right away next year and maybe you know and I don't know what's going through Brian Harson's mind or some of these other coaching staff uh, coaches on this staff's mind I don't know what's going through their heads but if they watched the film or if they looked at the stats they probably thought man we need a pass rusher and they went out and found two of them I think all three of those guys that you named will see significant playing time next year I like. I just. I. I think that Lee Hunter's going to come in. I think he's going to be a staple on that defense. Maybe not at the beginning of the year, but I think by the end of the year, he will be a consistent guy out there, at least in form. At least in terms of a rotation. And then again, Leota coming in was on a was on one of the best defenses in college football last year. I mean, they gave Ohio State fits, and we saw Ohio State absolutely just go to town offensively on Clemson, who also had a pretty good defense filled with pros top to bottom. And then Joko Willis coming out of you know community college, JUCO guy, he can come in and step step in right away, and really you don't have to depend on oh we're bringing in this guy to fill this role who has not seen the playing time before. This guy's been playing. This guy's ready to go. You could fit him in. I think all three of these guys bring a valuable need that Auburn has, and I think that they're going to do well. And honestly, I think they're going to be out there a lot. And I think all these guys are going to really compete and really just be a staple of the defense at least in terms of a rotation standpoint and Auburn just needs consistent hands on that defensive line and it's a wide open it's a wide open race on that defensive line for me because I don't think anybody showed themselves to be a consistent staple a consistent beast on the defensive line for Auburn not at all and that's why I think Lee Hunter ends up coming in and playing a lot towards the end of the year I think I think he'll be out there rotating early on but I think by the end of the year he will be the guy on that defensive line coming in consistently at a lot of times throughout a game moving forward on this topic looking ahead to next season what's the biggest question that you have for Auburn football in the immediate future as we head toward a day we asked Justin Ferguson that question in our interview with him for you what's the biggest question that you have for Auburn football in the immediate future heading towards a day I think the biggest question is, for me, what receiver is going to step up? What out of all these young guys that we have, who are who's going to replace that, as you called it, the log jam that was at the top with Eli Stove, Seth Williams, you have Anthony Schwartz up there. So which guy's going to step up? Is it going to be Shedrick Jackson, who was used as a blocker all of last year? Will it be Canyon, who had the flash-in-the-pan performance? That is he going to be a one-and-done type of performance guy who had the big game against Northwestern in the bowl or is he going to come out and be consistent 
it's yet to be seen which of these guys who who's going to will it be Kobe Hudson who's going to step up at receiver I think that is a big question going in maybe not the biggest but it's the one that I'm most intrigued to watch and see who is going to step up for me my biggest question about this team moving forward and what I'm personally most excited about looking forward to a day is how this team's going to line up what does that depth chart look like has there been shakeup that occurs you know what is this new coaching staff's take on the roster because I, I think every position group is is pretty wide open with the exception of a few I think linebackers I'm curious where they line up because it's a scheme oh, yeah. change but I think your linebackers are going to be your starting linebackers are going to be Owen Papo Jacoby McLean Joko Willis maybe on the outside will get in there I don't know if he'll be a starter TD Moultrie don't know if he'll be a starter uh, Chandler Wooten will probably try and factor into that you know who your linebackers are maybe some of the freshmen from last year's class like Tisdall and Steiner can get in as well you know who the linebackers are you just you wonder where they line up defensive line I think is wide open right now as far as what the depth chart looks like especially once again with another scheme change defensive backfield I would imagine Roger McCreary is not going to be moved from his starting uh cornerback spot and then I think Smoke Monday is probably pretty safe as well at his safety location I think the way that we saw the defensive backfield this this year I wonder where Tut lines up obviously he was kind of in and out in and out in and out with Auburn here in the offseason now he's back in I wonder where he lines up on this defense. I, I I do wonder if at the cornerback and nickel, you know, what what does nickel look like? What do they even call nickel? Is it the nickelback? Is it the star? How do they treat that position? Defensive backfield, I think you know who your two your 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 two big guys are, you know, Smoke Monday and Roger McCreary. But outside of that, how does everybody fit into it? On offense, Bo Nix is going to be the quarterback. That's not changing, and you shouldn't want it to change because backing up, I don't nobody's ready to take on those reins. No, not at all. Unless the, unless someone comes in and just absolutely wows them, but I just don't think that that's possible before a day game, before a day at least. And what's what's the offense going to look like? I mean, we know we can go through and look at Tank's going to be the starting running back. There's going to be oh, no shakeup sure. there. But who's his backup? You know, does Devin Barrett get into the mix over Sean Shivers? How does this coaching staff view Sean Shivers' skill set? Obviously, Gus Malzahn loved him some Sean Shivers I mean to go out and recruit first of all a guy who was at his size says a whole bunch that Gus Malzahn planned to use him in very specific ways and he did use him in those ways and won him an iron ball knocked a guy's head off can't say anything about Sean Shivers I just wonder how this new coaching staff evaluates him at the position with Devin Barrett also moving back into the mix because Devin Barrett he looks the part he had a role in 2017 he had a a specific plays called for him in 2017 to catch the ball out of the backfield he's got the skill set to play wide receiver DB because he's done that in the past which tells me he's got good hands as a running back how does Devin Barrett fit into this backfield because I think he's more of a pass catcher than Sean Shivers how often do we really see Sean Shivers as a main focal point in, in, in catching the football you don't because you don't want to throw to a Sean Shivers beyond the line of scrimmage you want to throw to him behind the line of scrimmage and Tank Bigsby can do that Devin Barrett can do that you know Devin Barrett I think gives you maybe a little bit more versatility at running back maybe than what Sean Shivers does that does not mean that I think Devin Barrett ends up being better I'm just saying with this with his body with his frame with his with with his experience across other positions he gives you a little bit more versatility, maybe even moving back to his traditional position. I, I don't know how he didn't pan out at running back from the get-go. I don't know why Auburn decided to move him over when uh, you know when the running back crew went the way it did back in like 18 and 19 as well because that wasn't anything substantial of running back. Auburn wasn't hurting for bodies. Now they are. So I'll be interested to see how running back looks 
as far as depth is concerned wide receiver you've already hit on it it, it is wide open and then on the offensive line i wonder if there will be shake up it wasn't anything to write home about i don't think it was as awful as people wanted to make it out to be but nothing to write home about uh, at all and i wonder if they decide to, to shift some things around maybe maybe does colby smith try and get in the mix there's a lot to there's a lot to evaluate when it comes down to signing day or not signing day well signing day in relation to a day if some of these freshmen can get on the field but when it comes down to a day moving forward because that's the next thing that's the next time we really get a glimpse of this auburn team before fall camp and, and the summer and whatnot what is this what does this group look like lining up how, how does that look on paper for Auburn moving forward and that'll really help us be able to evaluate this program going into the 2021 season that'll do it for our first segment of the hour number two on on the line we've got more coming your way don't go anywhere stay with us here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama Phone lines are open. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Time to get to our Twitter poll on at ESPN1067 on Twitter. Yesterday's poll was on the line poll. How do you feel about Auburn's recruiting class? Your three options were excited for the future. Number two was it's fine, dot, dot, dot. That's not a, that's kind of a deceptive it's fine, men married men out there or or just anybody out in a relationship you know when your uh, significant other says it's fine that's not a good thing and then the last option was cry myself to sleep i was shocked we didn't get more cry myself to sleep just because that's that's a funny option but the results were excited for the future had 26 percent it's fine was 57 percent that's the obvious answer i i think that's the one that fits this class the most and then cry myself to sleep 17 percent uh so you know, I, I think when you look at that poll from yesterday, 57% of people saying it's fine. I think that that is, is telling maybe of just people understand that Auburn did the best that they could, but obviously they also see that Auburn finished in the bottom four of the SEC in terms of rankings. So not good, but they did the best they could. It's fine. Just don't do it again. Yeah, they did, they did the best they could. It's fine. That's probably the correct answer, but I mean... I don't need a recruiting class to cry myself to sleep. I mean, I can do that every night, man. Uh, that's not, Well, I hope not, but <laughs> that, that, that'd be pretty tough, all right? We got a new on-the-line poll out today, though, so go and find this on at ESPN1067. This one's one that, that we want you to comment in. We've got on-the-line poll. What is your biggest question about Auburn football as we head toward A-Day? Comment below. Levi and I just gave our answers to that in our previous segment. If you missed that, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. My answer is really just how, how this whole thing looks lining up in A-Day. I mean, you, you look at it, there's wide open. It's wide open in a lot of position groups. And, and maybe not necessarily as starters are concerned because I still think the best players, the guys that we've seen so far for Auburn, will, will get back into their starting positions just because they're better. But I'm also curious about depth and how much of those guys are rotated in and out. Obviously, everybody gets rotated in in A-Day. But I want to see what the depth chart looks like below the starters as we go into the next football season because you know guys get rotated in i want to see if there's any younger guys or guys that may not may not have as much experience but guys that may may make an impact coming off the bench for auburn it's it's going to be very interesting to see what what guys are coming in or will some of these freshmen that just got signed will they have will they make an immediate impact at a day or anybody signed yesterday i have a hard time believing will play right out the gates because Agreed. <laughs> the spring i mean auburn had six guys as early enrollees 
Anybody that signed their letter of intent yesterday, no, I, no real chance for me yeah. personally. I don't, I don't agree. I don't think, or I agree. I don't think that there's a real chance any of those guys see a significant impact playing time at a day. Can't miss spring, you know, like no. Um, well, of course you won't see them at a day because they're not on campus yet. I'm talking exactly. about the young guys that are already enrolled. We'll see them on a day, and they might factor in. I'm just saying, going into next football season. Yeah, of I course, just, that's, those, those that's guys what, that signed yesterday. I didn't mean to say A-Day. I meant, <laughs> I, I meant the, the start of the season. We've been talking about A-Day so much that I was just yep. locked in on it. But yeah, I don't think that anybody who signed yesterday, I don't think they can really make an immediate impact at the beginning of the season. That doesn't mean that they couldn't come on towards the end of the year, make a little push. But beginning of the year, I, I, don't, I don't think there's much of a shot for them. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at, at @RadioALSports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. A lot of content went up today. We got uh, collegiate content up today about Auburn's recruiting class, Alabama's recruiting class. You can go and look at those. We got Brian Harson's press conference up from yesterday as well that you can go and watch. On top of that, some local high school sports content happening in the Auburn area. We got some interviews up from Auburn High varsity boys and varsity girls basketball. Both of our coaches, Courtney Pritchett and then also Chris Brandt, and then some players as well we got to speak to about them previewing tomorrow night's game against Opelika and also the area tournament coming up. So a lot going on on RadioAlabamaSports.net. Be sure to go and check that out there or on the social pages. Just search Radio Alabama Sports. There's a big game this weekend. You know, I don't know if you've heard. I, I, I don't know if people, you know, realize that there's a big football game this weekend. It's the last football game of our of our season, right? So, you know, I, I kind of forgot about the NFL after my team lost. You know, I just said, nah, I'm done. I've been trying to forget about it. I've been trying to. I'm reminded every day. I'm not done. And I'm excited about this Super Bowl. And there was really no bad matchup for this Super Bowl going, going into this year. You know, in the final four teams of the playoffs there was no bad matchup this is a bad matchup it's I not hate a, it. it's it's not the one that we wanted this is probably my least favorite of all of the options of all the, of all four options that could have occurred i would have loved to have seen the bills get a shot because i feel bad for bills fans and everything they've endured over the years and then i, I don't want to see the chiefs win it again because that's no good for anybody but it's good do for people me want to it's see, really good for me it's good do, for saints fans to see the chiefs win again right but do people want to see tom brady win another one you know of course nope. there's a select group of people out there that do as buccaneers fans and maybe there are some folks out there that want to see tom brady do it but at a different location maybe it was just patriots fatigue not tom brady fatigue oh it's tom brady fatigue but, it's I, real. Wouldn't, but I wouldn't mind aaron Rodgers have gotten one because i think the guy's good enough and i'm tired of people talking about him like he's not good enough so i would have liked to have seen aaron Rodgers get in the mix there you know aaron Rodgers Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes would have been epic arm talent battle, you know? Maybe oh, yeah. this one's not as much of an epic arm talent battle, but it's old guard versus new age flash, and, and, and Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in the NFL, but Tom Brady's still the best mind of all quarterbacks in the NFL, and, and the best team leader in the NFL, I'd say, too, with the way that he has commanded these these buccaneers you know no longer is he a, a patriot he's now a buccaneer he is the, he is the the captain of his pirate ship and they have fired the cannons all the way to the super bowl my question to you is and there's a lot of good matchups in this super bowl a lot of good matchups there would have been great matchups once again with any of the four teams at whatever matchup that you got there would have been a great matchup i think this one though might be giving us some of the most tantalizing matchups that we could have seen as far as names are concerned and how they've played throughout the postseason 
what is the big matchup that you're looking at in this year's Super Bowl going into this? And I'm talking about player on player, position group on position group. So I've got three matchups that I'm really looking forward to. How much time do I have to go through this? You got three minutes. I got three minutes. Perfect. I got three matchups. First of all, at the end of the game, what color Gatorade is going to be dumped on them? That's a that's a big, big matchup. Orange versus red versus yellow versus clear versus blue versus purple. <sighs> purple is the underdog plus thirteen hundred. Orange is the overwhelming favorite. A lot of people are liking red. These are your these don't, are your prop bets. Don't be fooled by red. Since two thousand and one, only three teams have been dumped with their color at the end of the game for winning the Super Bowl. Mike Tomlin was one. Bill Belichick was two with a blue mess. I'm thinking a little bit of orange, maybe the favorite, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some yellow and lime green. Another matchup that I really like, the national anthem. Will it be over a minute for 59 seconds or will it be under a minute and 59 seconds? So these are your prop bets. Let's just change this then. Prop bets for you then. Oh no, these are my matchups. I'm matching up against the Gatorades. I'm matching up against the time. And then I'm also matching up against another one that we haven't got to yet. So you got Jasmine, Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church. Almost every country music singer who has sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl has went under. The only exception was Luke Bryan, but I mean, he's kind of a diva anyway, so he's going to embellish a little bit. He's going to go, but I think with two people, I think it's a lock solid. I think it's going way over. You got two people trying to coordinate in that time span, singing the national anthem. Of course, it's going to go over. And then the last one, I don't know how they found the odds for this one. It is a 50-50 shot. Heads versus tails i don't even what, what are the odds what are the odds of a coin flip i don't even know how do you get to 50 50 odds on a coin flip will it be heads will it be tails that's the matchup of the century right there i meant players i meant position groups we got we got heads versus tails it's the biggest rivalry in the history of life i'll give some auburn fans something to chew on going in this game carlton davis going against tyree kill that one's big this this i i, I think tyree kill's got the edge here tyree kill's one of the best route runners in the nfl He's fast. Carlton Davis, not the fastest corner out there, but he's physical. Can he get his hands on Tyreek Hill, you know, within the first yard or two of the line of scrimmage? If he can, I think maybe he can mess up some of the some of the tendencies, some of the play calling for for the Chiefs, because a lot of it is focused around Tyreek Hill's speed, Tyreek Hill's ability to to get open if he can get his hands on him at the line of scrimmage. Carlton Davis has got a chance. But that's the matchup I'm looking at, mainly from an Auburn perspective. Carlton Davis is the big name in this game. And Carlton Davis is possibly in the most important matchup of it because the offense, although it accentuates, and it is about Patrick Mahomes and what he does well because he's a quarterback, the offense is really all about getting the Miko Hardmans and the Tyree Kills open. I don't think Carlton Davis can cover Tyree Kill. I think Tyree Kill is going to burn Carlton Davis to the ground on Sunday. I don't think it's going to be close. I watched Devontae Adams make him look I feel like silly. You've got, I feel like you've got beef on, with, with Carlton Davis, though, personally because of the, the Michael Thomas Well, he stuff. called him out for running slants and then got beat on a slant route in the end zone. I mean... But who's playing in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, we beat that team <laughs> twice. I mean, fun fact before we go to break, Travis Kelsey is actually older than Rob Gronkowski. What? It's facts. A lot of people don't realize it. I don't... I didn't. He plays a lot younger, I'll tell you that. We'll be back on the other side of this break with more of On the Line. We'll talk some Auburn basketball when we come back. Phone lines are open. Call in. We'll see you in just a moment. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Find us on Twitter at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. I know we promised basketball we would get there in just a moment. Just saw this on social media. Auburn Athletics announces baseball attendance plan. Plainsman Park capacity will be reduced to approximately 20% to begin the 2021 Auburn baseball season. Seats are going to be in pods of two and four with proper social distancing available between each seating group. Uh, A little caveat here, which is going to be pretty sad for a lot of folks out there. In addition, alternative viewing spaces outside the park, including the stadium parking deck, will not be available for the 2021 season. Uh, Available and unavailable seats are going to be marked. Plainsman Patio and Tiger Terrace will be unavailable to begin the season as well inside the ballpark, of course. Uh, ticket information being sent out to 2020 baseball season ticket holders who are going to have first priority when purchasing tickets moving forward student seating will be available in sections 109 to 111 as well as sections 52 to 73 student tickets will be general admission and distributed on a first come first served basis uh going to need a valid auburn ignited card to get in as a student additional information sent out there to our student listeners as well leading up to that home opener on february 19th versus presbyterian face coverings over the nose and mouth are required as well for all spectators and game day workers upon entry and while inside plainsman park there's a lot more information as as well about those tickets you can find that on auburntigers.com and off of that auburn baseball social media page and so uh you know I, i think that's about as expected i know there's a lot of students out there that maybe have been having a hard time getting into some basketball games uh that that there you know there's a there's a really there, there's a sector of the auburn basketball fan base when you're talking about students that are just diehards they paint up they're the first ones in line they wait out there for eight hours if it's a game like kentucky or alabama in the past like they're the people that are there that are there every time there's like a secret or not secret there's just a community of auburn basketball fans that are students that that you know play a big part in the jungle and they, you know they've had a hard time getting into some ball games with the lottery system you know that they've put into place they said they would get priority to auburn students that had been to a lot of the games in the past you know and it, it hasn't completely worked out that way for some of those guys and i know i know several students right now that are that are going to be extremely pumped to know that uh especially because they're also bringing that same type of energy to baseball they're going to be extremely pumped to know that they're going to have first come first serve and they're they're going to get in there as early as they can to be able to get into that ballpark but that that's a good thing i think you know and, and play's been parked throughout the week and everything you know I, I don't know what exact you know attendance numbers are and everything but you know i during the midweeks i don't think you're going to be able to tell a big difference because it's down at 20 percent. the part that's got me bummed out the most though and i'm sure has a lot of people bummed out just being transparent here part that's going to have people bummed out the most is the fact uh the the stadium deck you know i i understand why they would do that because it's hard for them to police that if people are just showing up and standing up there at least from a social distancing and you know COVID 19 protocol standpoint but it is still a bummer it's it's one of those things where we can acknowledge why it's happening we can also be upset that it's happening because that's one of the cool views that's one of the cool things that auburn has it's a little it's kind of unique where you can just it's part of what makes the field like Wrigley. Yeah, even if you don't go into the into Plainsman Park and watch a game, you can just walk up to the parking deck and just hang out there with a few of your friends, not feel like so confined confined in a stadium environment and just 
get that overarching, beautiful view that you can get from the parking deck. I remember I used to park in the parking deck when I was on campus illegally, I might add, because, you know, parking at Auburn, you know, I'm not even going to get I'm not even going to get into parking at Auburn. I would park there and I remember like leaving classes sometimes at around like five, six o'clock on late days and seeing even from some of the lower levels, you could just see players playing or even practicing some days. And it's just such a cool thing it is. to see from that parking deck. And it's a bummer that it's not there. I hadn't even thought about them closing down the parking deck for that for the for viewing baseball games. I hadn't even thought about that as a possibility. In fact, the other night I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I'm probably gonna have a hard time getting into some ball games this year. You know, if I'm going to go and watch as a as a spectator, I'm gonna have a hard time. I was like, what can I do? And I was like, oh, I can get on the parking deck. It'll be fine. Nope. I can still watch it. Nope. And, nope. and college baseball is not something that's heavily broadcasted. Of course, SEC Network does broadcast a lot and you'll you know if you if you get on the plus as well you can watch the games but it's it's uh it's not the same as you know as a national broadcast either you know so i mean they, they don't nationally broadcast a whole lot of ball games and so you know best of luck out there to everybody who may not be able to get into that park you know with that 20 percent capacity but those were some of the uh some of the capacity and some of the the rules going into auburn baseball season that opens up on february 19th we're only a couple of weeks away we're 15 days away from uh you know as of tomorrow it'll be two weeks from first pitch for Auburn's baseball season I, I I for one am excited and people can expect a lot a lot of Auburn baseball talk on this on this show we're 100%. gonna we're gonna make up for it we're gonna come with some fire for the Auburn baseball because a lot not a lot of people are gonna get in it's not heavily broadcast we're going to do our best to really just get you some information get you that fire because again College collegiate baseball is very un, like just not it's undercovered. Rep, it's not represented at all. I remember growing up trying to find me and my cousin were sitting at the house, and I think LSU baseball was playing Florida at the time, and we were just trying to find that game. Couldn't find it on TV. We couldn't even find the score on ESPN. And I mean, again, this was when I was a younger kid, and the coverage then was much worse than it is now. We couldn't yeah. even find the score anywhere. I mean, sometimes it's that bad. Last week or maybe two weeks ago, we had Aaron Fit of D1Baseball.com. They do a good job of, of keeping up with, with college baseball. If you missed that, you can go and find that podcast wherever you get your podcast. Let's get back into some college basketball talk here as we got about four or five minutes left in this segment here. Alabama basketball last night reasserted its control over the conference and a win over LSU last night, 78-60. to 60. The Crimson Tide rolled the LSU Bayou Bengals. What did we see in last night's game with the Crimson Tide that, uh, you know, maybe some people thought that that the loss against Oklahoma could be something that gets them out of rhythm, gets them out of sync. Nope, they went right back to smacking down on some of the better teams in the SEC. And, of course, they've got the game against Missouri on Saturday. But after Missouri on Saturday, it, I, I, I think what Alabama did last night, I think they locked down the SEC. I don't I see. I don't see any. I don't see enough. They've got a three or four game lead over the over the trailing pack in second place. At least a three game lead. I think they locked it down last night. That, that was one of the last teams that I that I think could go toe to toe with what Alabama puts on the court. And if you are concerned about Alabama after that loss at Oklahoma, you just have not been paying attention to the national landscape because Oklahoma was hot. They'd beaten two top ten teams three in a row. Yeah, three that, in a row actually, they, not two, three in a row. They'd beaten two that week no, with so, Alabama, but three in a row after Alabama. Yeah, I was saying going into that game. Oh, yeah, 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 going into that game and beating two in a row, beat three in a row with Alabama, and almost beat Texas Tech again. If I'm not mistaken, they were number ten when they lost to them, and that was a close game. This Oklahoma team is for real. There's absolutely nothing wrong with going into Norman and losing a game that was incredibly close. It wasn't like Alabama showed up and got blown out. 
I was not worried about that whatsoever, just for the simple fact that Oklahoma is that good of a basketball team. And LSU, they have not been able to even put together a decent performance against Alabama. This is not a bad LSU team. It's not a great LSU basketball team from what we've seen in the past few years. But they haven't, they have gotten just dominated by the Tide this year. Absolutely dominated by them. To go off your point, I think Alabama locked it up. I don't think there's a team that can hang with them. I think Missouri, yeah, they're 18. But I, think I think there are teams that can hang with them. Not, I don't think there's a team that can push them out of that, just kind of no knock them out Alabama of Alabama doesn't have three more losses on their schedule. No, I just don't think it. I think Missouri's a little bit overrated in the conference. Again, sure. I mean, they're 18, but I the think... The SEC is abysmal this year. Tennessee, we watched Tennessee beat Kansas and then turn around and lose to Ole Miss. But with that being said... I think that also could be, I say could be, I'm not certain yet. Of course, Alabama didn't play great against Oklahoma, and Oklahoma didn't even have their leading scorer, Devion Harns, going into that ball game. And Alabama loses and only puts up 61 points. Poor shooting performance. We even saw Alabama struggle outside of SEC play this year against some teams in non-conference play. It makes me wonder, is Alabama legitimately a top-10 team? because they really haven't beaten anybody good in the SEC. I'll be real. Let's go through the SEC right now. Missouri, overrated at 18th, I would say, is is true. Very true. I I don't know. I think Missouri is a top 25 caliber team, but they also are probably benefiting from a down SEC this year. And, and that's not saying that that Missouri team is a bad team. I think that's a really good Missouri team. I wouldn't say really good. I just they're think, just, they're, they're, I think good. they're good. They're a good Missouri team. They're just, for what they've been valued at most of the year, they're a bit overrated. And sure. they're, they're kind of falling to where they need to fall right now, around like that 18, probably 24, 25 range. But when they were up at the top 12, a bit overrated in that regard. Tennessee's 12-4 and four overall and ranked 11th in the country, but they're 5-4 and four in conference play. Tennessee just scored 50 points against Ole Miss last night. Forget about the Vols, man. That team, that's a team that I wonder if they'll even make it to the Sweet 16 this year. Florida, they get ranked and all of a sudden decide that they want to lose to South Carolina 72-66. to So another example, Arkansas was a team that started hot uh, during the season, went into SEC play undefeated. Now look at them. They're 14-5 and and 6-4. and There's just this common rabble of the SEC that some of these middle-of-the-pack teams have gotten swept up in. We've been, we've been kind of spoiled with the SEC the past couple of years. It's funny, when Auburn was doing really well, the SEC – was tough it was a tough league it was putting you know five six teams into the ncaa tournament this year i don't know how many teams are going to get into the tournament i I think alabama missouri and tennessee are getting in i think florida's got a got a got a pretty good shot right now and arkansas and lsu are going to be in the mix as well but i i think that's just because the records look nice i just think it's because they're 11 and 6 14 and 5 not necessarily because they're actually you know better than some of the other on the fence teams in, in the acc big 10 or big 12 and I don't expect them to do a whole lot when it gets to tournament time. Kentucky abysmal. The fact that Kentucky's 5-11 and and 4-5 and in SEC play and sitting there in the middle of the pack, that'll tell you something. I mean, South Carolina's 5-6, and 3-4 overall. There's a lot of 4-6 and six teams here, and there's a lot of 6-4 and four teams here. The fact that Auburn was sitting at 10-8 and eight going into the Georgia game and was two games away from being in a second place should tell people a lot about where the SEC's at right now. And, the, and Auburn had a had a tough hill to climb to get to that point where they were you know a few games out of second place because they were abysmal before Sharif Cooper came back at least in terms of their conference play sure and Auburn has battled it back at least you know they were they're four and six now after starting out zero and four they've been better over their last six games but 
not a good performance against Georgia the other night and that's an understatement to say the least I think it's fair to criticize Auburn's defense moving forward and it's important for them to continue to improve and finish this year out strong to build some momentum going into next year where they could have a really special season I mean you can talk you can say going into the 2021-2022 Auburn basketball season or college basketball season you can say the words Auburn basketball and national championship I think next year in the same sentence at least when you're when you're speaking about contenders I think Auburn's going to be in the mix it's just this year at the SEC looking across the board good gracious so it makes me question Alabama a little bit their legitimacy their their call to fame in this league when they lay an egg like they did this past weekend against Oklahoma of course manhandling it, it almost like it almost would be better if they were being challenged more in the SEC it would almost be better if they were if they were winning by eight against the, but but they would be winning by eight against teams that were good in the sec like lsu or, or, or florida or tennessee if they were actually playing better when they play the crimson tide i don't know i i i feel like we are you know now three quarters of the way through this season four-fifths of the way through this season and we don't know anything about any of these sec teams because all they've done is beat up on each other it's like florida beats west virginia in the sec big 12 challenge what happens lose south, to south carolina south carolina. south carolina happens right I mean, good gracious. We'll be back on the other side of this break to wrap up on the line. Stay with us. Wrapping up on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater following us after the show. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on foxsports983.com and on Facebook, that's foxsports983.com. A lot of good content out over there. Some Auburn stuff about signing day Alabama as well. We got a lot of good stuff over there on Fox Sports 983. Levi, you put your hand up. You got something? Oh no! I was just, I was just rolling. Oh, you're I was, rolling. I was, I was getting pumped. I was getting pumped. You I had your phone out. I was like, oh man, he saw something on social media. Something else just happened uh, early on in the show. This past segment, we talked about some of what Auburn baseball released about their plans as far as seating and, and what's going on with capacity with Auburn baseball. If you missed that segment, uh, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can go and find the article we were looking at also on AuburnTigers.com and on that Auburn baseball Twitter account as well. So you can go and find all that good stuff there. Before we wrap up the show, let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight nbc has a new episode of superstore on at 7 30 battle bots is on discovery from 7 to 9 with copperhead and black dragon in the main event and the rest of the bots are fighting for survival over on bbc at 7 spartans and trojans fight over helen of troy brad pitt and orlando bloom star in troy college basketball starts in the big 10 with number seven ohio state on the road at number eight iowa on espn at six also at 6 p.m cincinnati takes on temple on espn and two and Arizona and Utah square off on FS1. Moving to 8 p.m., Stanford and Cal battle it out on ESPN2 and Minnesota and Rutgers will play on FS1. Late game in the Pac-12 to wrap up the night is Washington State and Oregon on FS1. Thursday night NBA on TNT. We've got Warriors Mavs at 6.30 and Nuggets Lakers at 9. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. A lot of good stuff on television tonight college basketball nba as well in sports world i'm looking forward to the evening slate of what's on television wrapping up the show now here on on the line noah gardner and levi fitzwater with you we got about four minutes left in the show before the drive with bill cameron takes over following us 
Let's head back to signing day here. Last question about signing day before we wrap it all up here. Did Auburn fill all of its needs on signing day? And if not, because I think we could both say that there's probably a little bit more work they could do, but did they fill all of them for the most part? Or if not, where do they need to go? I think they filled a lot of needs that they have. There are a few that are missing that they didn't quite get, but the running back one is a big one. But I think they filled that with, you know, moving Barrett back to running back. I think that helps with that depth perception. I think they need one more body. I I agree. I think they they could have used at least a body. One more year in college, Bigsby maybe two. And then, you know, you look at um, Sean Shivers is almost gone too. So you need another, you need another youngster there. I think you could have done well, even with a lackluster recruit, just. I think a body would have been nice at running back. It didn't it didn't have to be flashy. It didn't have to be some big recruit. Just a body would have been nice to at least bring in and help out a little bit in that department. I would say offensive line is not complete whatsoever. Not Harson's fault that they didn't fill out O-line. Malzahn lost two commitments there before uh, once the once this coaching staff changed and then you know after the iron ball, Auburn started losing recruits left and right. And then the offensive line was one of those groups that lost it. And they have only got two coming in. They got one guard which is Garner Langlow, he's already enrolled. And then um, and then you bring in Colby Smith at tackle, so you at least get a tackle. That's great, but I think Auburn could have used two more offensive linemen in this class. And, yeah, you, you beg the question, you know, where, where are they going to come from? You know, you look around, where are they coming from? You know, like there's not a whole lot of guys left out there unsigned going into yesterday, so there's not a whole lot they could have done about it. I wonder if they go to the transfer portal for some players on the offensive line. I think they could use one. I think they could use at least one, and then you're 100% correct about running back. Auburn needs another body there. Jarquez Hunter could end up being that guy on Friday when he ends up signing if he signs with Auburn. There's a fourth one. I think you'd even want another running back even more than him. I think you'd want another freshman maybe or a younger transfer. Maybe there's a Juco guy out there that didn't sign. I don't know, but like I said, you laid this out. Devin Barrett is a redshirt junior. I don't know how much longer he's got here on the planes. I mean, of course, he, he will have another year after this year, but how long does a redshirt junior really have left? Sean Shivers is in that same boat. He doesn't have hardly any time left. Tank Bigsby, I think you look at two more years, he might be NFL ready coming out of his junior year if he continues to tear it up at the trajectory that he has been tearing it up up to this point. And then you've only got one freshman there. I mean, you, you've got a heavy load at the top of that running back room, maybe not as much at the bottom to support it. So maybe you want to bring in another running back after this year I, I i don't know or definitely after this year but i mean in this year's class would you want to bring another one in i i don't know other than jark west hunter if that one ends up locking down if you don't get hunter you definitely just need to at least get one however you do it whether it's a transfer or what what have you uh all right is there can you go to the transfer portal and see what running backs may be out there i'm just i'm genuinely curious who might be out there i, I think zach chardonnet at michigan or charbonnet maybe at michigan but i don't don't, he may have already committed somewhere else but he's wanting to be a one he he won't sit behind tank bigsby but i knew at one point he was probably the most high profile running back out there in the transfer portal i'm kind of curious about that i think auburn might want to go for a couple more linebackers and also think db is pretty is pretty top heavy at the moment with guys who could be leaving after this next year that maybe they want to add some more there's a big reason why auburn put an emphasis on safety yesterday locking down three in this entire class they're trying to prepare for life without smoke monday and and, and then in the immediate future life without jamie sherwood charbonnet did commit to ucla that's fun good for good for chip kelly i'm here for that 100 and that program has shown a slight upwards trajectory i'm hoping it's the exponential curve because college football in the pac-12 is more fun 
when USC, UCLA, and Oregon are all good at football. I mean, there's a couple of there's there are guys who are still out there. I mean, not a lot of guys I've heard of, but there are at least bodies that you could bring in. Sure, we'll see. Auburn's got some more work to do, I think, and, and Brian Hartson said they're not done. Unfortunately, we're done for today. That's another edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. But what's great for you is The Drive with Bill Cameron following us in just a few moments here on your local stations. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.